Hi, I'm Brian Boger. Welcome to my podcast, Flipping the Lid. I'm a husband, father, entrepreneur, and well, just a human being like you. I've faced personal tragedy, significant trauma. I've dealt with shame, anger, and self-doubt, all of which have created a ripple effect of damage in my world. I'm grateful that I've learned the importance of looking and going inside to create, repair, unpack, and reach levels of success that I never believed possible. Now as a coach, keynote speaker, and author, I'm fascinated by the stories that have shaped some of our world's most significant and successful individuals. So we're gonna flip the lid and take a look inside the stories that have shaped their lives and success. And we'll be featuring a number of individuals who have literally flipped the lid in their lives and businesses. Welcome to Flipping the Lid. Let's go jump in. Welcome back to Flipping the Lid. You know what we do here by now. We literally love to jump into those stories. By this time, you've seen how raw, how real, how vulnerable so many of our guests have been. And we know that true strength actually hides behind vulnerability. Today's guest is no different. She's like many high performers that's come into the world as a TV personality. She built a brand and an image and Yet she also had moments that she realized that she needed to get away from the fear and the guilt and the shame and the perils of her past. And so she's gone down into deep levels of consciousness and meditation work and really leaned into how she can access all of her and how she can access even pieces and things beyond this life that allow her to further enrich this life. I met this woman when she interviewed me on my good friend David Meltzer's show, Office Hours, and we got to meet a few months later and there was just an instant connection. So I cannot wait to jump in with you today, Kate. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. Even just thinking of that moment and thinking of all the fun that we had and just how brilliant you were on, on Office Hours with David Meltzer. It's so happy uh, to be with you again. Thank you for having me. Well, I am just, I'm happy to have you here. And you know, you and I, though we've spent time together, I know you, but I don't know you that well. And obviously I introduce you based on how I see you, but I often ask on this show right out of the gate, who are you in your words? In my words, I'm I'm the joy bringer. I'm a powerful force of love. I am a woman on a mission to help people heal and grow and remember um, in case they've forgotten just how powerful they are and how much that they're needed and their gifts are needed and, and really just someone who wants to connect deeply and in a meaningful way and help people feel less alone in the world. Yeah, which so many people do currently, actively. I mean, the level of disconnection that exists today, even though we have more abilities to connect across multiple mediums than we ever have, I find that the isolation, the loneliness, and the disconnection is something that's just prevalent, right? For you to understand the perspective and desire for people to not feel alone, you need to have felt alone in your life to have the depth of understanding. So that's where I would like to start. When in your life did you feel most alone? And how long did it take you to realize where you were at in your existence? I think I've always felt a little bit alone. I felt like a little bit of a, even since a kid, a, a weirdo, a status quo disruptor. I, I never understood rules or why I had to do things by rules or by what other people were doing or what my parents expected of me or society expected of me. I, I saw at a very young age that little girls and women are put in these boxes and given a script, you know, be pretty, be quiet, um, right. you know, work hard and, and be smart and, and get a, a good education, which was from my mom and dad and my family and values. But it was a lot of be a good girl and you need to be put in a box yeah. and a lot of be quiet and, and calm down because I'm, I'm not quiet. I've always been outspoken and had something to say. Not you, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to calm down. I'm excited, yeah. right? And if, if you act like a jerk, I'm probably going to tell you. And if if things are not um, of working, I, I want to tell you, I, I do like to ch challenge the status quo and people don't like that I've discovered, especially from women. And then more recently, I have felt alone when I, I went through losing two loved ones to suicide and, and what that meant and, and trying to pick up the pieces from my grief. I think anytime we're in grief, we feel alone because at least for me, I, for whatever reason, think, oh, well, no one else is going through this or it's, it's just me or I feel a certain way about myself everybody else has it figured out or just all that that crap that we that we believe but 
I think, you know, most recently we've all felt alone during COVID, even if you were living in a house full of people um, and because there was fear and uncertainty and, and a lot of nonsense and politically and socially, certainly. And recently I have felt very alone going through something really um, traumatic and challenging and disappointing and disorienting. And when you get in that space, you feel alone or spending my birthday in the emergency room alone. How much does that suck? And what I took from that is just looking in the mirror and and the days of recovery after that and just thinking, gosh, I don't want anyone to ever feel the way that I feel right now. And so it just makes you, at least what makes me, I will say, want to double down on, on the activism work and having conversations like this and attracting and, and cultivating relationships with people like yourself, because these conversations more than anything in the entire world, more than the puppy, more than a person, more than anything, these conversations make me feel least alone and make me want to continue living in a, a big way or even a small way in any way, because this it's, it's like a beating heart being able to connect and talk about real shit. I hope I'm allowed to curse. <laughs> you can drop as many fuck bombs you want. I, it's like an adjective, a noun, a verb for me. And though it's not in every single episode, like, uh, yes, no. This What's funny is when the show launched, and it still is the case, we were only two episodes live. You're you know, going to be episode like 26, which is really beautiful. We have such an amazing lineup of individuals that were joining us. But what's funny is our team, when they posted it, listed it as a clean podcast. And that was like the very first thing that I saw. I was like, no, no, we got to change this. There's no way this show is clean with me in it. And so, yeah, no, please cuss. Um, Kate, <laughs> all, all of that in that answer was beautiful. And you embedded so much. In. And so I'm going to unpack some pieces of that because I first and foremost want to reflect back to you. Yes, it's these moments where we can actually be seen and understood when we have the space to have permission to lower our armor and feel safe and protected that allows us to be most deeply connected to ourselves and everything and everyone in our lives, right? Yet it's sometimes very difficult to facilitate that environment. And so many of us who grew up with a variety of different situations got so armored in life that we were hiding even from ourselves, right? You said something that resonated deeply with me. I'm a father of a daughter and I am like absolutely disgusted with where women's rights are headed in this current state. This is the one area that like, I will say, unfortunately, became a political issue in some form and fashion. And I don't mean to make it that, but I struggle with the fact that my seven-year-old daughter, in some cases, has seemingly less rights today than my wife has had her entire life, right? And so I've always had this sensitivity. In fact, there's a lot of intentionality in our guest list, because though I have lots of men in my world, the last four episodes have been incredible females We just had Whitney Jones, three-time Miss Olympia, in my office yesterday, recording an incredible conversation. And and I want all of these incredible strong women to be in my world as well for my daughter to be able to access and see what's possible, right? And when everybody would always tell her, you're so smart, you're so pretty, you're so beautiful, my wife and I would always follow it with, you're so smart, you're so strong, you're so capable, you're so kind, you're so empathetic and compassionate. You said one phrase that really hit me. What does being a good girl mean to you? <laughs> well, I've really shifted into, thank you for saying it, what it means to me, because being a good girl always meant what that was, what that did for other people and, and how it made them. Happy. And describe that for a second. So describe that side of it, your historical definition, and then give me your new definition. Being a good girl meant being used quite frankly, being used for how it made other people look and feel, made my parents look good when they didn't care as much about looks, but got the good grades, got into all the fancy schools, was a star athlete, behaved herself and um, all of those things. I think for men, it's you're going to listen to me and obey me and agree with me and tell me how great and smart and amazing I am and look really pretty on my arm and make me feel more powerful and capable and secure. For me, being a good girl is saying what's in my heart and having the courage to say no, having the courage to leave the man and leave the job and and leave the beliefs and leave the people and community that doesn't support my highest self, that doesn't support strong, independent women who have things to say 
who don't want to go along with the tribal norms or societal standards they don't believe in. I mean, I am a 45-year-old, single, childless, unmarried woman. What a fucking radical rebel I am. But all of my friends who are married are married with children. I mean, some have cried to me when they come from their picturesque, perfect-looking lives and said, you are the only person I know who has the has had the courage to live life on your own terms. And again, that's why sometimes it's really fucking lonely. People say it's lonely at the top and they refer to status and money. It's really lonely going against society and doing things that few people do. But the good news is my life is my own. I welcome in a, a, a life partner, a new life partner. I welcome in stepchildren. I have a lot of children in my life, but being a good girl is being true to yourself yes. but first you have to know who that is bingo yeah that's what my wife and i've always said about our kids is our only goal for them is that they need to know exactly who they are they need to love themselves they need to know that they are loved unconditionally no matter what and they need to learn how to advocate for themselves and if all those things become true everything else will work itself out that's been our belief for this whole time. And really, that's what you're talking about is what I experienced as well, right? So many of us in the same generation, it's like, you should do this. You should do that. You shouldn't do that. You should be this. You should want that. You shouldn't want that, right? And should is a shame-based word because all it implies is that who you are and whatever you're doing isn't good enough. And it sounds very much like in so many ways that you also learned how to receive love, validation, and connection through performance, right? Which yeah. is true for so many other high performers who've existed with elements of shame and 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 identity can get wrapped up in that. And not everybody finds the way to be free. And I, I agree. I honor you for the ability to honor yourself in things that have not been in alignment for you. And even to the point where creating more alignment means that the expectations you already have defined for your future are going to change, right? Like spouse and potentially kids and things because, right, you could stay there to create this life. Or you could realize it may or may not happen. And all of that is a part of the process. What I'm fascinated in and for you is when did you become aware first that you were operating more under who the world told you who to be in that old good girl definition than you were standing in your own power and potential as KDEC? I think I was doing some form and version of that script from society or parents until even the first, I lost, you know, an ex-boyfriend and dear friend to suicide in October of 2014. And that blew things up. But it still wasn't enough because then in October of 2015, I lost the man who I thought was just the love of my life and just up oh, the light of my life, I jumped to his death. And that just completely, it just blew everything up. And I was forced to just do everything differently and think differently and feel differently. And you know, there's that moment in the, in the pharmacy where I contemplated and, and wanted to just take a bottle of pills that my doctor had prescribed for me, not because I wanted to hurt or kill myself, but I just wanted the pain to go away so desperately, whatever that took. And another good thing that happened in that moment when my brother threatened to call the cops when I sent a text saying that I wanted to take the whole bottle of pills and go to sleep and him saying I'm calling the cops and me thinking of what that was going to mean because I was going to a modeling job and then I was flying to Austin, Texas that night to do all this and do that. And like, wait a minute, I can't, I can't have the cops calling me right now. So I had that come to Jesus moment. I was like, this is not working and made that commitment to change the way I, I viewed myself, my life, culture, society, what it all means and, and what I'm going to do from here. So really, it wasn't well into adulthood with lots of experience. And it sounds similar to me is that it wasn't until your 30s and mid 30s that you really started to lean in fully. Um, with your permission, I'd like to take you back to the moment of losing what you believed was the love of your life, right? That deep connection and having had suicide in and around you already in that at that point in your life and having had experienced loss and having had experienced rejection in other ways, which I'm very sure of based on just the little I know about you. Take us to that moment. What were you feeling? What were you thinking? What was your experience? Well, right before the pharmacy, I was in the middle of insanity that is Midtown Manhattan near Times Square. And 
it was that feeling of, of a panic attack and, and not knowing what was going on and not being able to breathe and not being able to do this like insanity rat race nervous system disruptor New York City and everything that you have to be to succeed there and just pay your bills there. Um, and, you know, sobbing, walking down 7th Avenue to the pharmacy and, you know, laughing about, oh, it's a good thing about New York City. Nobody cares. <laughs> in public and also the sad thing about New York City but it was just that moment of this isn't working anymore and and who am I and what does all of this even mean I looked the part I had all the jobs I you know had that enviable life on the outside but who was I on the yeah. inside I had no idea and I was able to come to that conclusion because the man I just lost again was this huge supermodel on the face of, you know, every top luxury designer, actor, all the celebrity friends, why would he choose to leave us? And so, and at that time, you know, it was Kate Spade and, and Anthony Bourdain and mm -hmm. Chester from Lincoln Park. And just none of it made any sense. But what did make sense was none of the externals matter if these people are leaving us. And so... That was that internal journey. And I dove really heavily into my spiritual practices and studying with a lot of, um, you know, huge spiritual leaders and teachers and, and going back to grad school and studying neuroscience and positive psychology and whole person coaching techniques at Columbia. I was, I really was on a mission. And, but in that moment, I mean, and I've had one recently as a suicide prevention awareness activist, a moment of, and it, it was a pro, I could lose more than a moment. It was weeks where I would have these suicidal thoughts the first time since then. And I'm like, how did we get back here? And what is going on? And, and without shame or blame, but like, why have you allowed this and this person or this behavior or this toxic environment or workplace or whatever? And, but at least being able to notice the thoughts and that the thoughts weren't me. So that was the growth. And then also having the tools, having the support system, reaching out to specialists. But it did make me really, really, really sad, Brian. Um, but also, what a beautiful moment of surrender. And again, doubling down on the activism yeah. work and um, really coming out of this season and chapter so much like so powerful that I feel untouchable and so wise and um, really excited about the future. And I think that's a great message. You can be in your deepest, darkest moment of pure despair and come out quickly if you're willing um, and, and doing to the work to a place of just excitement and that, that place of where everything has been burned down and destroyed in a way and you just get to bloom and blossom from that place. And that's really beautiful. I, uh, I resonate deeply with all of what you just said. I mean, it was only nine, it was only nine months ago. We burned everything we were doing to the ground and brought it to a complete screeching halt or, and didn't restart or took it 180 degrees, the opposite direction. Right. I, I have a Phoenix bird tattooed on my right arm because I feel like I'm on version 88.8 .8 of Brian Bogert and it's constantly evolving because I always seem to spark a flame, burn to fucking ashes. And then I rise more, more powerful. Right. And when I say powerful, it's not power it's it's energy it's connection it's all of it right and more aware more enlightenment more access to things you know you talked really early on about this concept of healing what does healing mean to you it means spending the time energy money and being willing to go to the depths of yourself places you thought were healed places you didn't know exist and you can do this on your own. Um, I, I also recommend doing it with energy healers or coaches or therapists or whatever you believe in or, or your jam is. But to do some really, really deep work that involves a lot of time sitting alone in silence, processing and reflecting that involves going to these professionals and being like I am with you, being open or willing to, to show up as the vessel and empty yourself and let yourself be filled by the light and being willing to let go of some of that darkness. Cause you think, why would I not want to let go of this darkness? We don't know it's there. It gets trapped in our fascia tissue or our muscles and um, parts of the body. 
um, being willing to release that, accept that there's some darkness there. Not that you're dark, but you've collected some stuff from people or situations or the energy. Yeah. You got to clear that out um, consistently and consciously, and then being willing to be filled up by the light and by new experiences. Um, so healing is to me a, a lifelong journey. It is a privilege. It is a gift. It is a I think of when people are like, what do you like to do for fun? And I'm like, because I'm very dysfunctional. And I'm like, please don't answer healing. Please don't answer. Please, please say golf or something else again. So you don't feel so alone or like an alien weirdo. But I healing is my jam. Even when it's painful, it's 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 like that pot of gold. And you think if you if you go through this and I, I don't know if people can see me, but go through this knowing that on the other side of this is is love and opportunity and abundance and conversations like these and the love of your life and love and joy and all of the juiciness then i'm like all right sign me up and and it can take a day a week a month a year whatever it's ongoing but so healing to me is pure joy and magic and opportunity and possibility yeah it's interesting to me though, you know, we, we talk often, we call it the trash from people's past, right? And that they haven't identified, removed or transformed in a way that they, it either can become treasure or no longer keep them trapped. And the reality of it is, is that every time working with some of the world's highest performers, it's never about strategy and tactics. It's always about the trash from their past. that's wrapped up in emotional triggers, behavioral patterns and environmental conditions, right? Like it's ingrained in us and we can break the patterns. But even what you said, there's no blame and shame. I mean, we always say the trash from your past isn't even your fault. It just becomes your responsibility once you become aware of it or you start burying others in your trash, right? And so that's where the generational patterning starts to come in, which becomes even harder to change because the cellular conditioning that exists for us is so real, right? And so hearing you talk about vessel and light and filling, and I track all of what you're saying, right? For those that maybe aren't as spiritual, talk about it more from the lens of feeling in your body, right? Yeah. Or thoughts and how they shifted from an unhealed place to more of a healed place. Because I love that you brought it down to energy and feeling and light and abundance. And I, I resonate with all of it. But most people can't get outside of what they're experiencing right here, right now in their head and in their body. What's and the difference in what you experience in yourself? I think reactivity versus non-reactivity. Bingo. Ang anger versus peace and calmness. So even a real life example of a man who triggers me more than almost anyone and having to interact with him and have a productive, peaceful, and choosing to have a productive, peaceful conversation with him and separating with peace, regardless of what he throws at me. And people throw around the word narcissism, but again, someone who is very textbook, severe narcissistic personality disorder and having to navigate that for me, what I'm saying for the last time ever and never again. And, you know, um, as my angel Sam has showed me and, and told me in messages, he's like, you graduated, baby. Like you graduated. You don't have to attract this again. So for me, being able to have a conversation with someone who is throwing, we've all been there. People are projecting and throwing oh, shit yeah. at you. They are the victim and victim only. It is all your fault. La, 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 la. We don't even need to go there. A lot of people know what I'm talking about. Um, whatever, whatever someone, whatever someone triggering you or something triggering you or you being reactive, whatever just came to mind is it a person or something came to mind for you. Um, being able to be in a place of complete stillness and calmness and non-reactivity, regardless of what is being said and done to you, regardless is what is happening around you, that is the healing. And to be able to experience yourself in that place, maybe for the first time ever, or to do it for the whole hour conversation, I'm sorry, there's like, there's no price you can put on that. And you're not going to get a Super Bowl trophy. You're pro probably, at least in that moment, not going to get a check for a million dollars. No one's going to say like, oh my God. But it's even better because you have that moment for yourself where it's, you know, well done. Well done, kiddo. And you see the growth and you see that that money you spent, that time you spent, that energy you spent was so worth it. And then you have that proof of concept. And now you're like, after that, I can do anything. Where do you still lack boundaries for yourself in your life? 
Oh boy. Oh, I still feel bad sometimes and guilty saying no. I still feel bad, guilty, boundaryless at times, putting myself first ahead of work and money and other people and expectations and what people will think. And it's still that, and it's still that old pattern. Ugh, ugh, even just saying it, you want to vomit. And, you know, but that's why the healing is a lifelong thing. Cause I'm like, today I could be a hundred percent there. Tomorrow it's like, it's just that old pattern you slip back into or just like, oh, but again, I need to be nice. And I, it's, I mean something like, I want you to think that I'm nice and that I'm mm-hmm. kind and that I'm whatever. Um, it's just like, but then you're not being nice or kind to yourself. Which, which by the way, is truly the deepest buried trash that you're aware of that exists in your life is the fact that you learned to receive love conditionally based on how you either did or did not follow what was asked of you in that time, right? And there are so many subliminal messages that can happen to kids in that way, right? Something as simple as, I don't know, right? Making your kids hug everybody every time you see them hello and goodbye versus allowing them to establish their own boundaries of what they're communicating, of what they're comfortable with, right? Like even that forced expectation to go give physical interaction with someone versus not, right? Like is literally saying like, I'm only going to love you if you do it on my terms. Meaning if you show up and hug me when I want you to, or when you don't hug me when I don't want you to, right? And so as I listen to you talk, I just reflect that back to you because though I know you have a high level of awareness around that, that is literally the same source that you described very early in your life. And so that lack of boundaries is still that desire for you, right? To receive the love and connection and feel like if you don't, that, that, that either your value or your connection or your love that you're expecting in exchange of whatever that relationship is, all of a sudden doesn't. Yeah. And even as you're talking, this notion of, I'll even this one man in particular and asking myself or and seeing why, and, and I, again, I think it's a good quality that I want him and you and everyone to be okay and feel mm-hmm. okay, which is your responsibility, by the way. But not at not the expense mine. of Kate, not at the expense of Kate though. And I'm, thank you. And I'm still with this man in particular, like I, I want him to be okay. And there's moments where I still, even after all of this and this huge boundary has been set and a separation has been, has happened, it's, but I still want him to be okay. And if I, by doing this, I'm like, you are putting him and his well being ahead of yourself, which is so out of integrity. So I think it's good to know the catch you in the moment because you still, it's almost like that old habit, but catching yourself. And then I say to myself, the moments you can't do it for yourself, you're going to do it for all women or you're going to do it for, the children mm-hmm. in other countries who have no say or the women who have no say. So I I, I do know I'm a, I am in a position of privilege and power in that and doing it. Sometimes you can't do it for yourself, do it for everybody else. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, though, too, it's really important that you find a way to do it for yourself, because if you're doing it for other people, Thank it's you. actually a part of the same freaking pattern. Yes. That right? just, as I said, because it, you literally just said it, up. it's like, wait a minute, yeah. you can find a way to do it for someone else. But that's the fucking problem to begin with. So as I said it out loud, and especially I love, that's why I love having someone as witness. As soon as I said it, you reflected back to me. Exactly I was like, the I was like, no, nope. I was like, not going to happen. I was like, Kate, that, that's, we're just perpetuating the fucking cycle. Yes, that came up. So thank you for that call out because so now I'm like, yeah, and doing it for myself and myself only. Amen. Drop the mic. Thank you. And again, yes. not at the expense of others either, because I Correct. don't think that boundaries, right? Here's the thing. Armor protects pain. Boundaries are a communicated contract. Boundaries exist based on your existence when you know who you are and you know your value and you know your worth, which is why you can show up with a soft front and have a strong spine because you don't need to be guarded, protected, armored in any way because armor protects pain. But when you have a soft front and a strong spine, you're there, you're exposed, you're open, and that also allows you to neutralize. And so... That's what I have to make sure that you hear, my friend, while we're talking right now, because that's also what I want our audience to hear. Boundaries are so fucking important and they're the hardest thing to hold. And I'm going to tell you, 
I've been really shitty at boundaries. I've been emotionally extorted. I've been financially extorted. I've allowed it to happen in my family. I've allowed it to happen in business. I've allowed it to happen in personal relationships, right? And here's the the dynamic and the pattern. So many more people want something from me than they want for me. It's a matter of finding those that want something for me as well, because there's always alignment when people care for each other. It's when you want something from someone else that causes the armor to begin with. Boundaries don't cause armor because it's a communicated contract around mutual alignment and understanding. It's a completely different game because even if they don't understand or receive it, you by the chance of saying, nope, here's my boundary, here's my truth, and you do it in a way that's complete ownership, not forcing blame responsibility, not putting shame and blame on the person, but saying, this is why it's not in alignment for me. Who the fuck can ever argue with that? Because you're not making it about anybody but you. Yeah, which goes back to another theme of being okay with then spending a little bit more time alone because your circle may become a little smaller. Bingo. Real and genuine and, and beautiful and authentic. And so then having those tools to be when you're alone, I'm not really alone and I'm not lonely because of X, Y, and Z. And, right. You know, so I love all the intertwining and um, how everything is so linked and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting all these. I'm very cold, which means. Um, oh, I can a tell you're, you're downloading right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious what you're downloading. I can see it. I'm just I'm downloading the the trusting the process that you hear the messages you need to hear loud and clear from someone else or loud and clear from your own mind, God, spirit, angels, universe, whatever you believe in that you meet the people you're supposed to meet with no effort. You don't have to try the right people show up. And, and they love you, not because of what you look like or what you do, but again, the connection. And then that builds more connection and collaboration and community. And hey, we should team up rather than, hey, can you introduce me to so-and-so? Or I saw you doing this thing. Can you hook me up? Or it just it eliminates all the icky and it just gets to be pure. And it's just... And that you can connect with someone in a deeper, more meaningful, fulfilling way by knowing them a minute or an hour than you can with someone yeah. that you've known your whole life. And so be open to that. Well, and the other piece that I want to say is that um, armor also guarantees that you won't get or attract who and what you want into your life because it protects pain and things can't move through armor. That's the beautiful part about boundaries, right? Like it's much easier. And when you exist with a soft front and a strong spine, it's not even about having to neutralize what you're pushing away because you actually become the gravitational force. You become grounded in you. And people are so terrified of freedom because they feel like they have nothing to anchor to, right? Anchor in you. <laughs> Just dropped a mic. Like, so I'm, I'm, I'm an author, so I think in quotes, and I'm a journalist broadcast journalist. So I think in sound bites and I spent a, a career interviewing people and listening for that sound bite. So when I have 10 minutes to put the story together, I'm like, Ooh, around like five minutes in the interview, he said this nugget about boundaries. Boom. So I go right to the thing and I, I'm like, there it is. And I log the, I log the time code. So when you're, you're doing that to me, <laughs> I'm a journalist. I'm always getting the story and I'm editing it together. And you're saying these certain things that are in my soul and in my heart that when I'm sitting and or having a bad moment or a challenging moment, these things will come. And then it, it again, it alchemizes, it shifts me out mm-hmm. of that into like, boom. And then even freedom, my number one value. And this, this fear that's come up for me from leaving a certain situation or stability or finance, or, you know, I don't want to dive into all the details, but it's just, no, but you, you're not going to anchor into, to that or to that money or to that you're, you're anchoring into yourself and so much something so much deeper and better that will attract more freedom and Bingo. abundance way more than that perceived um illusion of, of security and stability sorry i'm just now i'm, in, I'm like i'm gonna come back down to my chair because now i'm up in the cosmos yes. no but kate i mean I, that's beautiful and so here's the thing I, that's that's one of the things that clearly you understand i have the ability to see people and see things that are beyond the surface and that's part of the reason i love doing these interviews because I see the power and potential in everybody, but I also see pain and I see armor, I see protection. And it allows me to navigate in a place that just helps you feel safe and protected. Because I said before we even started recording, I was like, hey, 
you're here because you're my friend and I want to be better friends with you. And, and though I don't ever fabricate anything, like that's not what I do. Like my goal is to, to highlight who you are and to make sure that you understand that this is a safe space. And again, we believe that true strength hides behind vulnerability. And I just, uh, I really deeply appreciate how open you've already been and how willing you even were to receive what I just reflected back to you on the podcast that we're recording. That's never lost on me. And I just wanted to acknowledge, like, I'm grateful that you felt what you needed to feel to be able to go there today, because I can see it's shifting in you already. And it's beautiful. Um, And and thank you for that. And I think it's a reminder to people being open to other people's thoughts and perspective and and wisdom. And what I see in, in our community a lot, which really is icky, is that some people who have reached a certain level, you see them preaching and shouting and and saying things and sometimes dialing it in and not being present. And I see in them a, a major flaw of their unwillingness to accept wisdom and knowledge and inspiration and um, perspective from other people, mm-hmm. um, unless those people are gazillionaires or this right. following or this whatever, where there's, they there's learn- still an external success metric that's tied to the financial dollar that determines value and worth in many situations that's deeper than the person. And as a result of it, we get distorted viewpoints and lack of congruence and a marketplace where there's a lot of people talking, but very few people with anything to say and people who are questioning and legitimately not knowing who to trust and who is real or what is real and what is authentic because it doesn't exist in so many spaces in our world because of all the armor and protection that exists, because we are so deeply damaged as a human society, and we are not willing to look inside largely as a whole to actually do the work that you're describing, right? It does make you feel like garbage to go dig through your fucking trash, right? But the reality of it is that so many people live there for months and years when they don't have to. They can exist in minutes and moments in that time. And so you and I have a shared passion to genuinely help society because fuck, I know I've been there. I've been completely yeah. broken. I've been completely isolated. I've been completely disconnected. Oh, by the way, I've had moments like that in the last few months, right? Hello. <laughs> and I'm also Hello. sitting here telling you point blank that I'm in the best rhythm I've ever been in my entire life, right? And so both can be true also. Right. I had a really good friend reflect this back to me not long ago. And I would be curious because I know that you have people in your life that have done this, but I have multiple people, three or four that have in my life consistently shown up to ensure that I saw myself the way they saw me and, and to hold truth and a reflection into me out of where I wasn't congruent in myself. And that might not even be in actions and behaviors. It might be in my own perception. Right. So first part of the year, I'll just tell this story. I was sitting on the patio and I was talking to a buddy and I was kind of down doom and gloom and I'm feeling shit like, God, I just got kicked in the balls the last nine months. Like, why? Like, I, I again, I put a bunch of good into the world. What am I attracting into me? It was a lack of boundaries in certain things, to be clear. And, I'll, and, I, and I know exactly how that's panned out and a lot of adjustments were made. But point is, I'm sitting here in January, I'm having this conversation and I'm telling him, you know, man, we got hit in our business like, Cash flow is tight. Like we, we, we had all this stuff happen. I've never been in this place. We have more going on right now than we ever have and less cash flow, right? And I'm having this conversation with the beginning of January and I'm like, bro, like I just, but I'm also in the best place I've ever been in my life. Best relationship with my wife, best connection. We've been breaking generational patterns. My kids and I are like deeply connected and I've shifted my entire life to be a highly present father. I mean, I, I'm involved in school pickups and drop offs and sports and dinners every night. Like, because that's what I'm pouring into right now. I'm in the season of dad and there's, it's the only thing binary in my world, right? So I'm having this conversation with him and he's like, literally held up the mirror at the end. My good buddy, Jake Blanchard, I'll even call it who this one was because this guy is one of the smartest, most emotionally connected men that I've been a part of and he can hold space for me. And he held it and he said, Brian, you realize you just outlined that you've created and built the exact life that you've been trying to design the one metric that isn't headed in every positive direction on the financial side is also something that has probably to do with a lesson that you're meant to learn in this moment. But what I'm telling you is you're living the existence you've been desiring to live. How come you can't see it? And And immediately I was transformed in that moment. 
fully received because I was completely open and I trusted him and I was ready to hear whatever he had to say. And he was calling me out. He's kind of like, you're full of shit. Like, dude, you're living your great life and you can't see it right in front of you because of a conditioned historical relationship with money that is trashed from my past. Who in your life has done that effectively for you? Wow. I mean, and thank you for sharing that. That was so beautiful. Right when you were talking, my friend Scott Mason came to mind. He was my neighbor on the Upper West Side in, in Manhattan. And we meet at this diner, Friedman's on 72nd Street. And I'll never forget it because he just, he did for me what you just described. And again, this was recently that we both have had so many huge, whoo, like um, transformations recently where I'm at, at the diner and telling him kind of similar to you with stuff going on. And he's just reflecting back to me basically that I'm a superstar and 20 reasons why. And he even said, he said, you know, we don't see ourselves clearly. He's like, you are literally the shit and you're sitting here and I saw what I was doing and it's icky. And I, I appreciate, I like that I'm humble and that I'm not all like, oh, I'm this and I've done that. Um, but he was just kindly reflecting to me how he sees me and how other people see me and how the world sees me. And it was just that moment of, wow. And even as I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, oh, you still got some work to yeah. do to, to own that a, a bit more. Um, because for me, it isn't about all the shiny objects or degrees or that. It's who I am as a person. And so owning that more. But I think also my my friend Vanessa, my best friend from grad school, who's my peer coach, who again, it's it's almost weird or strange or embarrassing to admit out loud and sad. And and much love to all the people in my life who who have loved me to the best of their ability. I take all love. But I feel Vanessa for the first time in my life, and again, I was young forties, I felt properly loved for the first time. Uh. Vanessa knows how to properly love me and so you talk about a reflection back in terms yeah. of and loves me for this i'm, I'm touching my heart right, and right. soul for people who can't see and feel um so to be loved for right. for who you are and your soul someone to see into your soul and reflect back to you how yeah. perfect you are <laughs> it's it's everything it's everything. I mean, that is pure connection. That's what this existence is about. That's the deepest level of intimacy. And I don't mean that sexually, right? It, that, yeah, is, right. that is that is safety, protection, warmth, empathy, compassion, all wrapped up into a beautiful moment. And it is, it's it's magical. You know, it's I, two things came to mind while you were talking and I wanted to, to, to jump in and say this because I just thought it was important. The part I left out in the story was that there was also, I was going through a shift in January, shedding a different layer of myself. That's an old narrative that was attached to the energy and armor I used to carry, right? I have a big energy. You've met me in person. You've been around me. I've been on shows. I have, I have a big energy. I always have, and I always will, right? A lot of people in my life struggled with how big my energy was. And it, and it caused me to lower my energy in lots and lots and lots of ways that actually limited my creativity my intuition, my natural gifts that I have to see and, and feel and experience people, right? And so I'm on this path, right, to impact over a billion lives as quickly as we possibly can by reducing the level of internal suffering that exists on this planet because I believe that most of the suffering that exists is internal. This is like who I am. This is what I'm dealing with. And I'm literally in this conversation in January and my wife and I are having a tangential but separate conversation around the shift I was trying to make energetically around some of the boundaries that I still needed to set as recently as three months ago, right? And what he said led to a conversation with my wife because what he unlocked and my reflecting it back to my wife, she was like, no shit, idiot. I've been telling you this for two fucking months, right? Like she didn't say it that way, but but, yeah, but yeah. I mean, in love, she was like, okay, like I'm happy that somebody else got through you, right? Because sometimes I'm even blind to my number one partner. And, and so, but what she wrapped into it is she said, Brian, like, do you still believe that people think you're a jerk? Do, people, do you still believe that people think that you're an asshole? Do you still believe that, you know, people think that you like are aggressive and arrogant? And I said, I don't believe any of those things. And I don't know that I believe that that's what the world sees, but I still feel like sometimes that's the case. And she said, I'm here to tell you something, dude. You're not any of those things. And she's like, and I understand why you were in different periods. And yes, it was your armor. And yes, it was those things. But she's like, that is literally the past. And it hasn't existed in our world since you moved through your anger a few years. And so the reality of it is, is like, 
what she did was also invite me and give me permission in something I didn't see and understand in the progression in myself that when combination of his conversation allowed me to step into. And what I think is really beautiful is I think sometimes even to the relationships that you just talked about, right? We talk about people wanting something from us versus for us. A really significant shift and in, in, in your words about your friend are, the, are what sparked it to me. I used to care about my wife a lot. I used to love her to pieces. For years in our marriage, I didn't care for my wife. And it's a fundamental shift, right? Like caring about somebody doesn't necessarily mean that it's being demonstrated or loving them in a way that they can receive it, that feels good to them, that's safe and protected, that, right? Like caring about someone is still conditional. Right. Caring for someone is like with no regard to personal gain other than complete surrender and care for who's in front of you. Right. And so what does that look like in my wife and my relationship? We both receive love physically. And I don't mean that sexually. Right. Like literally, like we get affection through rubbing each other's shoulders and backs. Right. Like I used to think my love language was words of affection. It's not. Right. Because many times when I get words of affection, I actually feel worse. It's not how I receive love. I don't like as much like I don't want compliments. I don't I'm learning to receive them, but they're still not my natural state. Right. But what does that mean? Well, caring for my wife is like acknowledging that regardless how fucking tired I am at the end of the day, if she just got out of the shower and shaved her legs, I can rub lotion on her legs. I can rub her back and get the knots out that are causing her migraines. I can rub her feet and make her feel loved. So. I'd love for you to describe the contrast between caring about and caring for in the experiences that you've had. Wow. I mean, again, this, this gentleman just came to mind where it's, a, and of course he play, pays lip service to it. Like, well, I care about you. Or when I had cellulitis, it was like, I've, I've wasted hours reading about cellulitis all day. And if it's contagious, I'm like, oh, it's your worried if I'm going to give it yeah. to you. Okay. Also Not the language the way, wasted, but... wasted. Didn't say I, wasted. I, I, I invested this time to help figure out if wasted. I could help you. Yeah, no, he said wasted. So that was very clear. Go ahead. Sorry. That was clear. <laughs> correct. Correct. Listen, I'm being told totally honest. And I think that people hear this language and still convince themselves that that person cares for them. Okay. So he cares about and, and those things and, and, and thinks that saying he cares about means he hey. cares about, but there is such a distinction. You are correct between caring about someone and caring for and, and showing. And again, as a journalist, it's show, don't tell, um, caring for, yeah, you, you come visit me at the hospital or send me flowers, make me chicken soup and bring it to me. Um, sit on the phone with me for an hour while I cry and listen to me blubber or blabber about nothing. Or um, Vanessa, that same woman, when I'm doing that, and she's a highly trained coach, but every time I'm like, sorry, I'm just rambling or babbling. And, she, and I can hear her saying it right now. She's like, actually, you're doing great. You're making perfect sense. You're very articulate. And so like, she'll, that is caring for me when I'm just like, oh, I did this thing. And or when I'm just like, I'm just so upset, or I'm so frustrated, or I'm angry, we feel shame about being angry. And she says, greatest line ever from a coach, you get to be. And when someone tells me I get to be angry, I suddenly no longer need to be angry because someone gave me permission to be angry and rightfully so and you're justified. And as soon as I'm allowed, because nobody allows us to be angry, because that is uncomfortable for them. When Vanessa says you get to be, I literally am not angry the second later. And then I'm like, okay. And then I can go on to the next singer motion, which is much more uplifting. Mm. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, completely. I I really enjoyed listening to you answer that question. I think it's, 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 it's like truly like it's, it's pretty, it, it was, it was cool. Um, we need people to reflect that back to us. One thing, one thing I wish for you is that you can learn to stop apologizing for everything. I know. Uh, you've, you've apologized to me today, like more times, like, and every time I'm like, would you shut the fuck up, Kate? Like, you have nothing to apologize for. Like, if you had malintent, you were being intentionally a dick or a jerk or whatever, like, I would yell at you and I'd be like, just get out of my life. Like, I don't need this, right? Boundaries. And I wouldn't go because that would be anger. I wouldn't need to do that. Right now. But I, I get to if I want to, right? But what I was saying in all that is it's like, 
hearing all of that is just, it, it's beautiful to hear you process it, to hear how you're receiving it, to hear where you are, and to hear how that's even reflected back to you in your life, right? And I just want to thank you again for being willing to open up and go that direction. You know, I'm really curious because we do have an intake form for this show and you saw it's very, very brief, right? It's, it's very brief. I don't do a lot of research on people. I like to receive who's in front of me in the time that I am and just have the conversation that's relevant that needs to happen now, right? Versus looking up 50 gazillion things. But, but one of my favorite questions always reveals something here. And you said that one of the most interesting factors about you is that you spend a lot of time communicating with your deceased ones, <laughs> right? Again, for those that are less spiritual and abstract, that could sound crazy, I don't believe it is, and I think it's incredible, but I would like you to talk about that ability and when you realized you had it, how you learned to condition it, and is it accessible to everyone? Wow. One of my favorite things to talk about. Thank you for allowing me to talk about this. And I, I thought long and hard about what I wanted to even say there, and I just went with it. And I went with it because I said that I was asked to write the eulogy for my aunt who recently died, and I was sadly not able to make it to her funeral a few days ago, but my cousin read it. And I just, because she she visited me the day that she died, as they often do, okay. and she was sitting right here and so happy and elated, like, ah, you know? and she kind of gave me permission and made me feel safe. And, and I just am like, again, I'm in my, who cares? And it's a funeral. And we're talking about someone who we're, we're crying in front of a casket of someone who's not physically there, maybe their body. But because when I was like, oh, looking up these overpriced and convenient flights to Ohio, and she's like, why would you, <laughs> she's very outspoken like me. Why would you go there? I'm right here. Don't be silly. And it was just, I, it was just so beautiful. And so I said in the eulogy, you know, I like Aunt Roz, now you know my secret. I spend a lot of time communicating with my deceased loved ones. And I think when Sam crossed over a few years ago, he gave me that gift so that selfishly even he could be in, in deep communication with me that I would actually listen and believe and, and take his advice and guidance because they see everything on the other side. And a, a recent example of this, and it is a, a superpower I think everybody, um, people have varying degrees of, of gifts when it comes to it, but everyone certainly has intuition and everyone is psychic. You just have to believe and mm -hmm. tune into that and get practiced at, at, at using that muscle. But recently with something very challenging that I was going through, it's because of my close relationship with, with Sam, my angel and, and God and my other angels, but him coming to me in dreams, me sitting here by myself in silence, listening, asking, listening, becoming more practiced at listening. And his advice and wisdom and guidance from the other side had me in a position to outsmart some brilliant people to get 10 steps ahead of them and work the situation to my advantage where I've never felt more powerful in my life. And I'm like, this is that you can't teach this at Harvard. No money can give you this advantage. And it's that superpower of our divinity, but the divine. And that made that that made my my life right there and knowing i have access to that and, and we mm -hmm. can all if we choose and um the peace and 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 support and guidance and wisdom that gives us and you talked about money and and listen everyone's been through i think well not everyone a lot of us have been through some sort of financial um disappointment frustration oh, yeah. struggle and when you've got that and you lean into that and use that. I'm telling the the fine the. I mean, I've had a lot of abundance, financial uh, dollars flow into my life since it, this has all happened in the past couple of weeks. So, I mean, you can believe it or not. I choose to believe it. I'm giving you a real yeah. life example, and it, it makes the shit and the work and all of it so worth it because you're like, if this can happen. I'm just going to even stop there because I'm just like, my heart is exploding in a good way. And thank you for even allowing me to share this <laughs> publicly, a bunch of strangers. But this is, it's liberating, right? People want to feel more wealthy. Start telling the truth. Start, start being who you are and being real. You will feel like a gazillionaire. And trust me, the money will start flowing in. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And I, I mean, money is energy, right? And I just genuinely believe that. And so, yeah, I, I loved that. I loved how you were able to bring that all together. 
You know, you said very early on when you described who you were that you're a joy bringer. What is joy to you? How do you experience it? How do you get it? Joy is fun. Joy is laughter. Joy is not taking yourself so seriously. Joy is connection. Joy is doing activities um, that make you feel like a little boy or a little girl. Joy is um, not following the rules. Joy is is smiling. My cheeks hurt so much from smiling. Joy is um, feeling understood and seen and heard by someone. Thank you for the joy you're giving me right now and that you've given me for this time. Um, Joy is not caring what other people think. Joy is is having the courage to to know who you are, do what you love, and and prioritize that over anything else. Joy is 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 love. Uh, I feel like love is such a powerful energy, and you know, again, I think that connection is love, right? Like it's a form of love. I think we all have the ability to demonstrate love in so many beautiful moments, and. You know, yet love in so many cases seems fleeting for people, right? Because I think even the definitions of what love is and what it looks like cause us to, again, protect and hide in moments that we don't need to, right? And so it's just one of those things that I feel like if we could be less armored, we inherently operate with more heart. You see a heart back there on that, that, that shelf on my second angle. Anybody who like actually records with me virtually always gets tripped out with double angles. So for those of you who see it on the production side, you'll see, right? Like this is the case, Kate, like she's like, I can't do it. Like there's too much Brian. But to get back to the point of the heart, right? Like I recently became aware of some stats that I did not know before. I wish I could reference the source. I can't. I, I observed it. I validated it, but I can't reference the source just because it's not coming to me right now. But the heart has a hundred times greater electrical charge than the brain. The heart has 5,000 times the magnetism to the brain. And did you know that there's 40,000 cells in the heart? They're called sensory neurites. They are where the cellular memory in the heart exists around the traumas and experiences that we feel in our lives. And it's been scientifically proven that if you go see a therapist and just intellectually process the happenings in your life that put you where you are, that you will not heal. I say this because I, for years, have said, if you don't feel, you don't heal, period, right? And this is from someone who didn't feel for 20 to 25 years because I shut off everything, right? So I knew for a fact how deep I wasn't feeling, how much I was actively suppressing. And so I just, my friend, am grateful that you are here that you have the amount of love and the amount of joy that you have and that your heart gets to shine at the level that it does because the magnetism is felt, the electricity is there, and the healing has clearly happened and still happening just like all of us because there is no final destination. So you shared so beautifully and we didn't really even talk about anything that's going on professionally for you and other than how you're helping so many people in a lot of your like advocacy work. And so I do want to give you a second to be able to describe anything that you feel would be relevant that people can identify and connect with you and the ways that you can add value in their life. Because I want everybody to know who you are and I want everybody in our world to be able to access you for all of your brilliance and all the ways you help people move in this world. Oh, thank you for that. We're, we're, we're healing and we're feeling and it feels great. I can feel my heart pulsates, pulsating out of my body and you're right, the magnetism, the electricity, and that reminder that if we are stuck in our heads or in any of that crap, you just move it down to your heart, place your hand on your heart, feel it, ask your heart, ask your angels, God, whatever you believe in, what should I do here? What do you want me to know? Because you get the answer. You don't have to go to a million gurus. You got it all here. So I love that powerful reminder too. I would love to continue to connect with you and your audience. Um, Please read my book. If you like this conversation, you will love my book. We go deep. Uh, It's called The Full Spirit Workout. It's a 10-step system to shed yourself out, strengthen your spiritual core, and create a fun and fulfilling life. We got the joy there, but we're going to do some healing and feeling, but we're going to have fun because if it's not fun, you're probably not going to do it. And my dad says the number one word he would use to describe me is fun. And so we're going with that theme, but you just go to thefullspiritworkout.com. You can order it there anywhere books are sold. Um, it was an absolute joy and privilege to put that together. It's almost its two-year anniversary. Um, so so please go and, and connect with, with me there. And, and more importantly, connect with yourself there. I'm just so happy 
to be on this journey of self-discovery with you and anyone listening. And what a joy and what fun. Um, this conversation was, after this conversation, I feel lit up and that I can like go run the world. Um, and I'm just, I'm so grateful. And it came at a perfect time. And, you know, when you have those doubts, um, and, and you're willing and, and you become practice at listening, the universe just drops in a, a gift like this and it happens every time, right on time, on time. So, um, thank you. Well, I fully received that. And I feel like that's one of the greatest places to wrap my friend. I am so grateful that you came here today, that you were so willing to share your truth because you just gave others permission to live theirs. And that's not lost on me, how open and vulnerable you were and the power that. You. So thank you, my friend. Thank you. And for those of you that just watched Kate flip her lid and jump inside, I hope what you just extracted is regardless of whether or not the world told you to be a good boy or a good girl, that really was about their terms on their terms, not yours. What Kate's helping all of you do is that you get to learn how to be a good boy and a good girl by owning your truth. But what she clearly also demonstrates is that it requires you to go inside. It requires you to get quiet. And actually sit in those moments of discomfort to be able to extract the lessons for you to move in your life. Kate's done it at the highest of high level and she's had traumatic loss around her, yet she continues to move and be able to access not only all the parts of herself, but access to her ancestors and her family through her ability to be connected to the universe. It's accessible to every one of you. Maybe not to the level that Kate has been able to to communicate, but the reality of it is, all of you have intuition. All of you have the ability to get to some level that you are more connected than you are today. We require you to flip open your lid and scan your pants.